William Hill Sportsbook at Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino. It's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go. Cofield and Company on this Thursday. Every Thursday we're at Silver Sevens. Happy hour has begun. 3 o'clock. 3 to 5. Happy hour. 277 on many of the drinks. John Von Tobel is down here with us at Flamingo and Paradise. We got preseason week number three. A lot of answers coming from Raiders camp. We'll get into that. We finally got an answer on Deshaun Watson and how long he'll be out this season. Busy day, busy day. We're going to check in with a former Dolphin player to preview what's going on with the Raiders on the road against the Dolphins. We'll talk about the uh, Dolphins season. We got a TV expert, a former sports TV executive to come on in the 5 o'clock hour about the uh, Big Ten Oh, yeah. And their partnership for like $8 billion with escalators up to 10 bill for the next seven years. So let's get into it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. First of all, John Von Tobel is here. I don't even know if I introduced you. JBT is the company. What's up, John? Doing all right, Steve. I know we have a direction uh, to take. Uh, uh, here we go. But the second I sat down, I had a pretty big problem. The classic derailing of the show generally generally done by Adam Hill, but JVT is a good student of the show. What do we got? It's something brief, but I will say it's kind of a new setup right now here at Silver Sevens. Usually we're set up in a different fashion. Feng Shui is a little off at this point. Dangerous Danny with the setup. Uh, should we tell him how we normally set up? Uh, it's, I mean, it's L-shaped, but it's essentially like flipped from where it's at, yeah, we like facing to, out the casino. We like to face the fans, and right now we are facing the TVs, and I have requested this setup before, like on big sports days. Like drafts, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's a little weird because I'm I'm looking ahead and you're to my right, and I right. today I'm kind of lazy. I don't really feel like looking at you. So right. I don't think for those who be, don't know, I don't Steve's, think there's going to be any eye contact. Steve's looking straight ahead, just not even looking yep. at me as he talks. I'm looking at his ear as he talks. <laughs> um, but what what I really don't like about it, it's actually not that. It's the fact that I don't know who's coming up yeah. behind me. Yeah. They, and when we go to restaurants, things like that, like I prefer to sit in seats where I can see like the restaurant. The fact that I have the entire casino behind me and anybody at any moment could come up and do whatever, yep. not feeling it. There's a lot of gambling Twitter that is not happy. Going back years with John Von Tobel. So if they choose to come down here, Dangerous Danny, who's running the show, you better, you better be able to leap out of that chair and protect him. Yeah. You got a road to stab me, that's for sure. <laughs> right in my big back. So it's been a rough day, thing shui-wise. Yeah. That is it. Um, for JBT. Rougher or better for Deshaun Watson? He's going to miss 11 games. This is what the NFL has come up with. He's fined $5 million. He initially was going to miss six games. The NFL appealed it. There was no decision made. They came to an agreement. Good or bad day for Deshaun Watson? I mean, it's bad. He's innocent, right? So I think it's a terrible day for, for innocent people around the world. No, look, it's good considering that he was staring an entire season in the face. And in reality... And by the way, they were talking about a fine of like 10 or $12 yeah. million. Dollars, or as you just mentioned, eight. Yeah. So a little less money. And this is a guy who is due $230 million. So five sucks, but it ain't 230. Drop in the bucket, if you will. Uh, and look, in the grand scheme of things, you know where are they at when he's got six games left on the schedule and he's on that final third, of essentially, of, of the schedule this year? Who knows? But I think for him, it's relatively good for a guy who was staring and not playing football, like, what, for two straight years and even longer by the time next season rolls around. So as much as I feel like he doesn't deserve it, uh, good for him. 
So Deshaun Watson got about a year and three quarters because I do believe the 17 games last year do count. Check that. 16? 17. Yeah. 17 games last year do count. I know a lot of other people are like, well, that was his decision. No, it wasn't. Um, so pretty strong penalty, big fine. I don't know what's going to happen with Trevor Bauer. I mean, he's suspended two-plus years. We haven't heard anything in an appeal on that one. So these are groundbreaking cases in Major League Sports. Now, of course, the other thing we think of is what's going to happen to the Browns now. Let's go right to the sports point here because we'll break down the Sean Watson and the alleged incidents and all that stuff if he played this the right way with Xavier Pope, our attorney out of Chicago, towards the end of the hour. The books, I mean, what, what do you do this whole time? It's been a guessing game. So initially they set the win total for the Browns at what? Nine and a half. So nine and a half. Yeah. Where's it been in recent weeks? It's been like if the books who put it up, nine and a half. And that's the thing, right? Yeah. What happened to a lot of books? A lot of books just took it off. Now, like the things that were available, like division odds, uh, Super Bowl odds, conference odds, those were pretty much up the entire time. And I, I think if you're looking at it from the standpoint of like where a lot of operators were, they were clearly operating with the stand with the thought of he's not going to be available for at the very least eight games. I think that was kind of like what everybody was going with. And you can see it in the adjustments, right? I mean, for the Super Bowl odds, for example, they go from 30-1 to 1 to 30-1. to 1. To win the conference, they go from 16-1 to 1 to 20-1. to 1. And this is just that one book. It's at DraftKings. Uh, but it's generally the same movement for everybody else. AFC North plus 320 to plus 380. And the win total gets shaved off a win from 9.5 to 8.5. So, you know, you can kind of tell with the adjustments that bookmakers were kind of rolling with the thought he's going to miss half the season somewhat. So not big adjustments overall. Okay. So now what? So, I think from a future standpoint, I don't want anything to do with Cleveland, right? I like really, yeah. From like, what, if the, no, what of, if the win number drops to what? Oh, give me, give me, give me like a number, seven and a half. You another, go over, yeah. Another full win, I'd go over. Would you? Yeah. I mean, I'm I, other than week one because Carolina is a team that I'm looking to make like to take a position on, which is I think they're going to be better than the market gives them credit for. So, other than week one, I'm looking to back Cleveland. I think pretty early. When you look at their first six games, for example. One, it's a relatively easy schedule. Uh, the other part of it is you dig a little bit deeper. Five out of their first six opponents ranks 15th or lower in run defensive efficiency. They're going to be able to run the ball relatively well. All right. It's a schedule that sets up really nicely for a team that's going to play a brand of offense that is going to make Jacoby Brissett pretty comfortable. And on top of that, I think we forget how good their defense is. <laughs> like From a talent standpoint, at all three levels, they got some guys. Uh, on this defense that wow. I think from a roster standpoint is pretty good. So I think I wasn't wowing at the defense, but I'm wowing at that it may only drop to 7.5. I feel like public perception wants to slam them down even further. Like, thinks they're just, it's a, they're done. I don't think they're that's screwed the, this year with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. I don't, think I, I don't think I've gotten that sense. And I would also say this I do think the larger the sample size of Jacoby Brissett, the, um, the worse it might get, right, as the season drags along. It's why we got the report last week that, and that's the other thing that has yet to drop, right? Remember the report, was it last week or even earlier this week? If it's, I think it was 11 or more games, the Browns would be looking to add Jimmy Garoppolo at some point. Now, I think you're running out of road because you have to get him in sooner rather than later, get him acclimated with the offense and get him going if that's going to be the case. So we'll see if that actually happens. Because if that happens... I'm willing to bet this goes – if it's not moving off the eight and a half, you're shading the juice pretty high to the over. More on Deshaun Watson. More on the Browns as the show moves along. I want to get to what the Raiders talked about today. But before that, yesterday was kind of a jubilant day, the return of Trayvon Mullen. 
Bilal Nichols is around practice now. These guys are integral parts of the Raiders' defense. They haven't been around. They haven't practiced. They're hurt. Darren Waller hadn't practiced. He's hurt? We don't know. I mean, it was reported. In love? Possibly. It was reported as an injury. Waller shows up yesterday. Nice. We're all done. And then today. Back out there for a second consecutive day. No, he wasn't at practice. What? Yeah. But it was back. Those hamstrings are tricky. That's what they say. All right, what do you make of this? Oh, I thought you were going to like play something or say something. No, 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 <laughs> uh, no. Of Waller? No, there's no – I mean, no one really discussed it during the uh, media session, at least with uh, Josh McDaniels, unless I missed it. Yeah. Because here's the thing. When, when McDaniels speaks, they haven't practiced yet. He speaks before practice. Mm-hmm. Then reporters go out there. There's guys out there with binoculars, you know, search around for Darren Waller, and he was clear yesterday. Like, you could clearly see him on the field yesterday. People got some videos of him running and, and working, and then today he wasn't there. So I don't know if there was any follow-up. We'll look into it, but. The hamstring tightened up on him? I don't know. I still don't know if this was a hold-in and they're, they're talking contract or maybe you're right. Maybe it was a maintenance day. I mean. You know, I'm out. Like I say, I'm, I'm, I'm more on the UNLV football beat, and day-to-day if I, like, you know, freaked out over injuries – you, you twist yourself into a, a mess because there are days when guys just don't come out and it's a maintenance day. I would say that if it is, I would think at least, if it's a hold-in in a contract thing, why show up for one day and then be gone? It, it, it doesn't benefit you in any way whatsoever. It draws attention to your absence, I would think, a little bit more. right? For the people who are out there swearing up and down, Raiders Twitter, oh, people, people trying to make a mountain out of a molehill here. right? There's nothing to see. I would lean a little bit more toward the camp of maybe he actually is a little dinged up, thought you were going to be good to come back, and then you're leaving again. Or maybe it's both. It could be both. 3.30 this hour, we'll get into the question of will the Stars play in this next game? Josh McDaniels gave three different answers, and all three were very creative, and you still didn't have an answer as to whether we're going to see Carr or we're going to see Devontae Adams. It was, uh, it was really interesting watching the media try to crack the code. But up next, let's get into the Dolphins. The Raiders are going to be playing the Dolphins on Saturday down in Miami. A guy who played running back for the Dolphins is Troy Stratford. Does radio in Miami. He'll join Cofield and company in less than five. Get in the game with the William Hill Pro Pick'em Football Contest for your chance to win over $1 million in cash prizes. Register by September 11th at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. But more importantly, to be the best person he can be. And we're going to support him in every way possible during the suspension and during what will hopefully be a long career with the Cleveland Browns. I also think it's important to remember that we've got a lot of other really good football players that are going to practice today at 2 o'clock against the Eagles and about two and a half weeks kick it off against Carolina. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. Oh, boy. One of my least favorite things at press conferences, you know, an important press conference to Sean Watson, news today, and the owners up there. He can do whatever he wants. It's his team. Uh, Jimmy Haslam trying to redirect it. Like, not not today, Jimmy. we got to talk a little bit about Deshaun Watson. Come on. The, the saga is uh, sort of ending, which um, this whole thing has been really bizarre. The Dolphins were mer- very much involved in this last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Troy Stratford played for the Dolphins. 87 to uh, 90, and then the Chiefs, the Rams, the Lions. He does a lot of work around the Dolphins now, and he's joining Cofield and company here in Vegas. Troy, how you doing, buddy? 
I am doing well, guys. How about you guys? We're good. We're good. We're excited for this weekend, and we want to do a Dolphins preview with you. But, you know, we wanted to run the NFL news of the day by you first. Uh, what do you think? How did Deshaun Watson make out here? How did the NFL make out here? He got 11 games, and he's got to pay a fine of $5 million, and I guess his first game back will be, what, week 13 against the Texans. I'm looking at the $5 million, and I'm saying that's a drop in the bucket, so that's not an issue at all. But when the news first came out about Deshaun Watson, I sat there talking to myself saying, he's going to spend at least a year away from the league. Cleveland went out and worked out this enormous contract, and I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but I think he actually got off a little bit of light that he only got 11 11 games because I really thought he was going to be sitting out for one entire year. So can you tell us what exactly was going on last year when the the Dolphins did – show interest like who was interested what exactly happened and obviously in the end it didn't it didn't materialize but what was going on from what i gathered flores wanted deshaun watson to be the quarterback he was not in the same quarter corner that it is when it comes to Tua being his quarterback he saw something very deficient there that he knew he could not win and listen the miami dolphins they had other problems on offense as well. The offense line was absolutely horrible, and so Tua really didn't have a lot of time to drop back, scan the field, deliver the ball, and be protected back there without worrying about running for his life. So it was just a mess all around when you look at the Miami Dolphins offensively last year. Defense, that's a different story, but offensively, I really believe it was a, a miss connect from the GM to the head coach. One wanted one guy. Was the GM was the guy that he actually brought into the organization. So they bumped heads on that. So it seems if you listen to everything coming out of Dolphins camp now at this point that Mike McDaniel and Miami seem really set on Tua Tungvaluwa as their starting quarterback heading into 2022. So for the two-part question, one is, what's the confidence like in that relationship now between head coach and quarterback because it seems relatively strong? And what do you think is the ceiling for Tua? Do you reflect more of the Flores camp that he doesn't believe or you don't believe that they can win with him? Or is there a high ceiling now in a pretty dynamic-looking offense? The way I look at it, the first three ball games for the Miami Dolphins this season will be very important. It could either take off like a rocket or it could nosedive because the fans down here are very much split when it comes to Tua. Now, the good thing is Coach McDaniel came in and changed some things around. They're going to be able to run the football. They have weapons, weapons, weapons surrounding Tua and you know, it's a big debate down here right now of if he could throw the deep ball. But with the skill set of the wide receivers, you know, Hill and Waddle down here, you don't necessarily have to throw the ball 30, 40 yards down the field. You get those guys in space, and if you miss, if you're one step short, they could go right out the backside. So, again, I think the first three games are very, very important for the Miami Dolphins, and, you know, last week against Tampa Bay, we did not see two out on the field. This week, Coach has been keeping things very quiet and close to the best, but you anticipate now that it's only three preseason games 
that you're going to get your starters in there just to get them more accustomed to the game tempo, you know, going in before the half, coming out. So I, I anticipate seeing a lot of two and the starters from the Miami Dolphins this week. Talking a little Dolphins with Troy Stratford, a former running back with the Dolphins, a 1987 offensive rookie of the year. You had over 1,000 yards rushing and receiving that first year. That was a hell of a year. That was a nice year. I've I got to be honest. Everything was clicking. I came in as a fourth-round draft pick, and, you know, I find myself in the huddle with Dan Marino and Duper and Clayton, and it was just a wonderful experience. And uh, I wish it could have lasted longer, but, you know, a lot of us, we get injured in that game, and you're not quite the same product that you were coming in, and that was the case when it comes to me. By the way, Troy, also a – Boston College guy, also a yeah. Union a Union County, New Jersey guy. I'm actually from Monmouth County yeah. in New Jersey, so very familiar wow. with the exploits of uh, Linden High School and the uh, also the city of Elizabeth, where what Todd Bowles is from Elizabeth. Yeah. So uh, lots of ties, yeah. lots of ties. Um, hey, by, by the way, why did you wind up in Miami post career? Once you get down to Miami, it's hard, <laughs> it's hard to leave. Yeah. And I got to be honest, I call this paradise. Yeah, it's hot now, but it's hot all over, you know, the world right now. But down here, and I'm still not used to it. I've been down here close to, what, 30 years. I'm not used to it being beach weather on Christmas Day. That's the only thing I cannot adjust to. But other than that, I mean... I, I just can't beat it. You know, I go back home to visit in Jersey and salute to you, calling out Union County and Todd Bowles. He was a high school rival of mine, then a college rival of mine. So I go way back with Todd as well. You know, Troy, when I was looking at some of your numbers and seeing like, you know, 600 yards rushing, 450 yards receiving, in 1987, I feel like that's kind of an outlier. I feel like in today's day and age, you're looking around and you're like, oh, man, I would have been awesome. Right. You know, I was I, w- I was fortunate enough to be blessed with a good set of hands. So, you know, the Miami Dolphins, Dan would get upset, Marino that is. He'd get upset if we were running the ball too much. So I said, Dan, you don't have to hand it to me. Just throw it to me. I don't care if it's behind the line of scrimmage or two yards in front of the line of scrimmage. I'm, I'm going to get some yardage for you. And early on in my career, he, he learned, he, he found out that he could trust me because it's more than just talent, and this goes and connects to the Miami Dolphins this year, the way I see it. You can have talent. Miami Dolphins, offensively, they have more talent than they've had down here in a long time when it comes to the collective group. So this year, hands down, more talent. What I'm looking to see for the first time in a long time watching Miami Dolphins, covering the Miami Dolphins, is how smart these guys are together. Because I think the, the great quarterbacks in the league, you know, the Brady's, the Mannings, when he played, all of the great quarterbacks, I always maintain that they beat you before they snap the football. And I'm wondering to see if Tua and his wide receivers will progress to that point where they know where they're going to win, where they can't win before they snap that football. I think that's like a major, major coup, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that pans out. 
Yeah, I, I love this angle. Let's build on the are they a smarter football team. So, uh, you know, I've talked about NFL coaching higher philosophies, and you got, you know, still you got guys like Dan Campbell. You know, I call them the, the big galoots, right? Big guy yelling all the time, getting all emotional. Yeah. And then you look at Mike yeah. McDaniel, who played college football, but Mike is, like, very cerebral. He's got a weird sense of humor. He doesn't feel like a football coach all the time. Like, how is he going to translate to this team? Will he make them a smarter football team coming over from the Niners, who are a very smart offensive football team? I'm looking at the players, and they absolutely connect with with Mike. And things seem to be like we're on the same page here together. He is totally different than your old school coach. Like you just mentioned, Dan Campbell, he was down here as an assistant before. So I'm very well aware of how he coached. But Mike McDaniel is a little bit, like you said, a little bit more cerebral. You don't believe that you're in an NFL meeting press conference when he's up there talking. He doesn't mind cracking jokes and challenging reporters or certain things. I mean, one day, like first week of training camp, he's in there taking selfies with all of the reporters, and we're looking around like, wait a minute, this this never happens down here when it comes to the head coach stuff. It it will be very interesting to see how they connect. Now, defensively for the Miami Dolphins, they are going to be set because they brought back the same defensive coordinator for when Flores was there. The defense led the league or was close to the top in a number of different categories. The back end of that defense is outstanding. They could get after the quarterback as well. So those guys, it wasn't a total breakdown and rebuild down here for the Miami Dolphins. They have a influx of talent offensively and defensively those guys are more comfortable one extra year being in this system so so far before the game start we're, we're all optimistic down here right now yeah i'm glad you brought up uh, boyer as defensive coordinator because there was actually a report earlier this year that there were some players on that defense that weren't happy that he actually stayed over as defensive coordinator. Uh, do you still get the sense that there maybe is that disconnect between player and coordinator on that that end of the ball? Absolutely. I, I think that unit has always been solid since he has been in charge of it. And, you know, Flo, he had a big influence on that defense as well. But defensively, the Miami Dolphins, like when I look at defenses in the National Football League, I believe you have to have the back end. You have to have excellent cornerbacks where you don't need your safeties over there helping them out. And the Miami Dolphins, they definitely have that. And then the coaches that they brought back here that Mike McDaniels brought in, Sam Madison, outstanding Miami Dolphin player, Patrick Satan, outstanding former Miami Dolphin player, and the guys who play on this team now, I'm sure when they got down here, if they didn't know about Sam Madison and Patrick Satan, they found out rather quickly before they were even coaches here. And now all of a sudden they're coaches. I think they're going to bring an element to this defense that's going to take the secondary to another level. they got a young guy, number one draft pick last year, Phillips out of UM. He could get after the quarterback. Ogbuck could get after the quarterback. So the Miami Dolphins defensively, they could, wreck, they could cause some havoc defensively. It's all going to come down once again that offensive side of the football. Miami Dolphins, it would drive me crazy. I'm, I'm talking about where I'm ready to throw my hat, my, my pen, whatever. They would struggle 
in today's NFL, struggle to score 17, 20 points on a weekly basis. And I'm sitting here saying every rule that has been implemented into NFL football nowadays is designed to entertain the fans, to score points, and here we are struggling to get 17 points in the ballgame. Unacceptable. Last one, Troy. Troy Trafford with us, former uh, Dolphin running back, is helping us break down the Dolphins in 2022. Raiders are going to be playing the Dolphins in this next preseason game. So by the Vegas numbers, uh, first of all, the Dolphins are 8.5 on the win total, 8.5 over under. So are they going to go over 8.5? And And are the Dolphins definitely the second best team in the AFC East? Have the Dolphins passed the Patriots? Oh, you're just skipping right over the Buffalo Bills there. I, I, I still think that Buffalo Bills are the and they they did a lot of great work this off season. I think the Buffalo Bills are number one. I think the Miami Dolphins are still behind the New England Patriots because we haven't played any games yet. So as the season progresses, we hope to see that the Miami Dolphins handle New England. They got them the first game of the season on September 11th. And then go from there and just methodically like build week after week, turn the page, get after your next opponent. But I really think that the Miami Dolphins will be snipping at the heels of the New England Patriots. Troy, that was awesome. We really appreciate you joining us on short notice. Thank you so much. You got it, guys. Have a great night. Okay, we'll see you. There he is, Troy Stratford, former running back, going back to 1987 when he was a rookie. And like John said, uh, Big pass-catching running back and then, unfortunately, ran into some injuries. But he had 101 catches combined in his first two years in the NFL. Enter to win a $100 gas card every 15 minutes from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. Every Wednesday here at Silver 7s and the William Hill Race and Sportsbook. played against Jordan a lot going back to the AFC East and physical guy played in a very tough conference in college football and then came in and you know does a good job of you know some of the things we ask our guys to do on the edge we'll see how he does here you know we haven't really had any opportunity to work with him yet but you know has has demonstrated the ability to set the edge on defense and do some things in the pass rush so great guy looking forward to having an opportunity to start with him today Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Josh McDaniels talking about uh, the newest Raider signed yesterday, former New York Jet, Texan, former third-round pick in 2016, Jordan Jenkins. So we'll see what he brings to the defensive end room for the Raiders. Silver 7s here on a Thursday. John Von Tobel is here. Danger Stanny is running the show. I've got free entries for the Pro Pick'em Contest these are $25 entries into the William Hill Pro Pick'em Contest. All you got to do is come down, stop in, stop by the Bud Light Lounge at Silver 7s, ask, and you get a free entry. This contest has prizes totaling $1.2 million. Normally $25 to get in. Free entry down here at Silver 7s. So real quick, because I want to keep building on this, one of the things I'm going to be watching for with the Dolphins, I mean, the, the, the big story is Tua. He's got these weapons. Can he get the ball to him? The second thing is, if they don't get off to a good start, I want to see how the Dolphin community and the team react to, as I've called Mike McDaniel and Staley, you know, the big galoot versus the nerd coach. Mike McDaniel's a really weird guy. 
and I don't know how much of a leash he's going to have. He's very likable, mm-hmm. but I think there are going to be people who are like, where's my football coach? You know, where's Larry Zonka? Oh, go like the anti-nerd analytic type of deal, right? right? Yeah. And he's a, he's a weird communicator. I think if you listen to him enough, he's a really interesting guy. He's a smart guy. He's a brilliant guy. But I just wonder, because he's not football guy, how the community is going to react if they get out to like a one and three start. So I think you're right to an extent, but I will say, I mean, I thought Brian Flores was kind of a football guy, and his leash was pretty freaking short, right? So it's like, what do you want? I'm not saying football guys always get long leashes. No, I, I think know. someone who's like, Completely non-traditional, and you're right. They went. I mean, they are in a completely different direction because mm-hmm. McDaniel's chill, and a lot of people like you know they like the hard-ass football coach. Josh McDaniel's. We're still trying to figure him out here, but he is he's not Belichickian in the fact that he will just talk. Right? He might not say a whole lot, but he will just talk. But he is Belichickian, and he's not giving anything away. He's and you saying can, a bunch of nothing. You can ask him twelve different ways. Like so, this morning. I think it was Vinny uh, over on Raider Nation Radio 920, you know, starts to ask him basically, and Vinny's kind of dancing around it, like, is Derek Carr going to play? Is Devontae Adams going to play? Like, which guys are going to play in this game? Are you going to get your big guys out there? We haven't really said, like, we have this group's the starters, and, you know, so we're just kind of in a competition mode still. Still got a lot of time left uh, to sort things out in, the, in that regard. Okay, so... They haven't really figured out the starters yet. Now, I mean, they, they have. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing they have at least 16 of the 22 starters. A little math is hard for me. 16 of the 22 settled on. So, Willie, you know, he's bullish, man. Willie's like, all right, four questions later. Like, I'm going to be more direct. Like, are, are these guys playing? Are the key guys playing? Instead of identifying groups as starters and putting label, maybe specificity with car. Adams, Crosby, the key guys. Is it something you're going to see in practice or during the game where you'll decide variables that they will get playing time? They're all key guys. I'm talking about all, all of them are key to me. Um, and so, uh, in, and, and I, I understand the question. You know, we have two joint practices coming up next week. You know, that's a different environment. Every day is a great opportunity. I don't look at the preseason games like they're any, you know, it's like it's in any different opportunity than what we have today. We're going to be out there today for two hours in the heat, you know, in pads doing things too that will help us make our decisions. So he avoided it again by saying, hey, they're all key. Well, we know some guys are more key, Josh. Come on. Derek Carr is more key than the guy who's challenging for starting spot number 22. But then he did get to a good part of the answer where he basically said the games don't matter. The preseason games are not that important to me. That scrimmage next week, that's important. The practices, those are important. So I don't know if we see Derek Carr, Crosby, Adams play in any of the games, the last two games here. So, okay, first off, I'm going to criticize Willie, our guy. Just ask the question, bro. Let's go. Is Derek Carr playing in this next preseason? Well, I think game? he did it. As Don't direct- give him away. I think room. he did it as directly as he could after other people were dancing around. See, the I'm question. Willie Ramirez. I wear custom suits. Answer my question, please. Also, it's very clear that Derek Carr has lost his starting gig. <laughs> Why won't you answer? We have a quarterback controversy, don't we, Josh McDaniels? Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. 
We apologize to anyone who's triggered, to the women impacted. You'll note the passive language there, which invites questions like triggered by what? Impacted how? I think the lack of specifics is telling and for me at least reflects why so many people are frustrated by this suspension. The $5 million is fine. You can't help but feel like accountability remains elusive. Lawyer, host of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor, Xavier Pope. He is live on Cofield and Company. All right, let's do it. Host of Suit Up News, attorney out of Chicago, cultural contributor to Cofield and Company, Xavier Pope. He's on the horn. Xavier. What up? That was Mina Kimes on the way back who says she feels like there's still some accountability lacking even after the penalty comes down for Deshaun Watson, 11 games and $5 million. Do you have an empty feeling on this thing? I think is we have to defer to women on this. Um, this is the day of women's suffrage in this country. Well, white women get the right to vote, but, but ultimately women all celebrate it. But I think that the way they feel in terms of the culture of sexual violence and harassment towards women, we should defer to um, – the group that's most impacted by that. And as men, we're men sitting here talking about it right now. Many of them have said that the punishment for Deshaun Watson isn't steep enough. He shouldn't be playing the National Football League any longer. So we can break down, okay, the the deal that he cut between himself and the NFL and the wranglings of how the initial suspension was six games and what the, the league wanted to do. But ultimately, there is a population of people who feel like if you – uh, sexually assault women, you shouldn't still get a chance to get $230 billion guaranteed large, man. Well, I guess that's a question that's still at hand because his attorney put out a statement and made sure to point out that he his client still believes he did not commit sexual assault. He doesn't have to do that. <laughs> he, he reached a settlement. I mean, part of settlement in the legal sense, uh, audience, is that you don't have to admit fault. Um, you're not required to admit fault. That's part of the agreement. And that's usually what both sides do. We, I didn't do anything wrong. You did anything wrong. But um, we want to make sure that we, we are sorry for what happened if we were offended. And here's some money. So Deshaun Watson was never going to admit anything. Uh, for make, he still has to play football. He still, um, ultimately, when it comes down, if he's successful on the field, his jersey will get a lot of sales. He will then recover in some sort of way financially. So he stands to benefit uh, in this situation, because now he gets this out of his way, and he gets to move on as a professional athlete in the National Football League uh, and throwing a pill for a franchise that starved to have him there. I just don't understand why I apologize. Right? Like, he, like you said, it's settled, it's fine, because he's only making himself look worse with these half-ass apologies that don't really mean anything. He has the apology with the Aditi, uh, Aditi Kinkawala uh, over the weekend, right, for the Cleveland Browns, but then comes back today and says what Steve said, right, oh, I just apologize because people were triggered. Like, if, if this is going to be the case and you're really not like, showing any remorse, just don't say anything. Just, hey, you know what, we settled, let's move on. Yeah, it's, just, it's pretty much par for the course with people in positions of power – and who and people of authority is also of those are corporations. That's pretty much the standard fare when you pay money. You it's it's almost like your penance is to say that I'm sorry, even if you don't admit that you did anything wrong. Um, it's it's hollow. It's empty. Deshaun Watson has changed no one's opinion before this incident has occurred because, according to him, he, he didn't do anything wrong. So it doesn't show any sign of any real remorse for his actions if he doesn't cop up to what he did. 
So apologize without admitting anything is, is, is meaningless to the population that's most affected by the actions of Deshaun Watson. Silver Sevens on a Thursday. Xavier Pope joins us at this time each and every Thursday. He's an attorney out of Chicago, the host of Suit Up News. So in your neck of the woods, really L.A., I guess is Big Ten now too, um, Big Ten just got an $8 billion deal with escalators that could push it to $10 billion from a combination of four networks. I saw a lot of people rejoicing over this, and others were like, hey, do the players get a cut of this money? Yeah, we got NIL. We got players able to now get agents pretty much. This is now the, the, the line between professional athlete and employee-employer relationship is now blended into this one humongous role in players signing their player-athlete statement when they start at an institution or a letter of intent. It seems like an outdated contract, and we should, uh, it should be collective bargaining. And that part of collective bargaining agreement is the ability to share that sports uh, relate of uh, their revenue and the income from that particular sport. Um, how that would be measured is different, but I believe it is time that athletes should see the benefit of their labor on the field and how it's impacted to large, big money in, in college sports. It's, it's, they only have the right to. They, they've built the awful back of these players. Well, so what, like, we also get the report, right, that the NCAA, excuse me, that college football is looking to maybe get out from under the umbrella of the NCAA and a college football playoff would be the dominating power there. Like, in terms of getting these players all on the same page and uh, unionizing essentially so they can collectively bargain some of these things, would that be like by conference? Would you get every single player? First and foremost, I've predicted this for years, um, that the Power Five did not need the NCAA with the outmoded uh, way of collecting the different entities together known as the NCAA member schools and that maybe even big time conferences will pull it entirely and they, they, they compete across um, for some of the, some of, and for some of the different prizes that come along with it. I think you may see it in terms of a, you know, cause consider we have there's that transfer portal and how would the rules impact that. You probably would see maybe across maybe conferences. Um, some sort of collective bargaining you may see on a larger scale. I think there is so there are so many different athletes and so many different rights impacted by that. You need some organizing body behind that. You see, uh, there were body, there was the the uh, athletes that attempted to uh, do that earlier. But what is the bigger scale of actually getting this done? So right now, the money is still going into the pot of those big time uh, college institutions. Xavier Pope up with Cofield and Company. Interesting sports news. Uh, we were just talking about the TV deal. Um, Notre Dame's TV deal isn't officially worked out, but it looks like they're going to stick with NBC for a lot of money. New voice of Notre Dame football play-by-play side is Jack Collinsworth, the son of Chris Collinsworth. Jack has broadcasted for more than a few years. I don't think he's ever done play-by-play. This is a hell of a job. And I saw you tweeting about one Idris Elba. I guess his daughter was very mad at him because uh, – he didn't give his daughter a role in a movie, so kind of two different approaches here in terms of nepotism and what your kids get. Yeah, I, I just tweeted about that is that uh, Idris Elba is saying professionally there wasn't um, the right element of chemistry from the character in uh, the project and his daughter, and his daughter was upset. And you know, in, in mainstream culture, mainly white culture, nepotism is something that's just done. So people would see someone like 
like like Collinsworth's son, and people are going to question like, how'd you how'd you get there? You saw him on the sidelines. Okay, how did he get to the sidelines? And now he's here, and so he gets to build his resume off the back of his father. And so he just is not doing the same thing. Maybe relying on thinking that you're going to do it out of merit, not recognizing how that's not how this society is really working. Yeah, my kid can suck it. <laughs> John has said that the whole time, that his kids are not getting a leg up. They will not be getting a hand up, I guess. Actually, I'm, I'm going to purposely call. If they get into broadcasting, I'm going to call and turn in negative reviews. He's absolutely Trying to get him to lose the job. Tomatoes, uh, yeah. tomatoes. Yeah. Uh, let's close on this. Um, I don't know if you saw the picture I posted. I, I know you did because you retweeted it. I had a spelling error in there. A spelling error in there. I hate that. I freaking hate that. Um, I took a picture. Alive. No, I, I hate it. Um, I took a picture of the lot that F1 bought um, really right around the corner here from Silver 7s. $240 million for 39 acres. And I didn't realize that you are super fired up about F1 coming to Vegas. Why are you in F1? Hey, I mean, I just was in Vegas on uh, the Las Vegas track. For NABJ convention, so hanging out there. I mean, being on a track is just—it's just—it's a cool experience. Uh, I think that people should go to F1 race. We had a dominant African American racer uh, in Lewis Hamilton um, in the sport. I mean, I just think that people should get involved in something where you're seeing like one of the greatest athletes maybe ever. Um, and so, get out there. I'm looking forward to it. What's going on with Suit Up News this week? Yeah, we're talking about the impact of the recent primary loss of Liz Cheney. And we're also digging into a little bit more about the, the long-term impact of what it means to be a player like Deshaun Watson, making money and covering up the image, and uh, and what does that mean for women? Xavier, we appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Love you guys. There he is. Love you. Xavier Pope. <laughs> I feel like you're never comfortable. I was going to say, you're, you're so uncomfortable. You have to like, love you, buddy. You to, love you. Do you say that to your significant other? Love you, man. Love you, man. Do you? You're like, how do I? Love you. What's the best way to say it? Love you. You just say, love you too, man. That sounded genuine, actually. That was very good. Yeah. And he's done it like 50 spots in a row. Yeah. And I'm always thrown off by it. I'm always like, I, I got wait, wait, what do I do? I got a buddy who like I, I talk to somewhat regularly that every time we sign off, he says, love you, man. And I say, love you too, man. I'm, I'm comfortable in my masculinity. Like I don't this, think it's Steve. being comfortable in your masculinity. I think it's a lot of it's based on your familial background. Like, is your family a big, I love you? Uh, Are they a big hug it out? So you've really. adjusted, you've become this person? I've, I've become this person quite a bit. Yeah. I think it's the kids. And, my, and you know. That, you know what? Married. Yeah. That probably just changed things. Yeah, oh, I totally did. My kid the other day just came up to me. He's like, Dad, I love you. You're the best dad ever. And what happened? Where you're like, love you. I punched him in the arm. <laughs> yeah, I slugged him did right in the shoulder. A, I was like, you got it, kid. I'll go third person. Give him a Steve Kofi. <laughs> love you. Yeah. Love you, too. <laughs> No, I responded with, you know I do too. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right back at you. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say I love it. But I'm going I'm 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 to say it poorly. Uh, Silver Sevens on this Thursday. Come on down here. Got the uh, Wednesday great gas card giveaway. It's coming up at 6 o'clock. It's every Wednesday. Rest of the way here in August. $50 gift cards start at 6 every 15 minutes. You earn entries by playing with your A play card. On Wednesdays, take advantage of that. Nifty 50 slot tournament on Thursdays, and then great giveaways on Sundays. 4 o'clock hour is right around the corner. We'll get into another UNLV opponent, North Texas.